Youth group growing up was really weird because we played that game where like you had a toothpick in your mouth and you had to pass a lifesaver back and forth across the way. And then we'd have a sermon about how kissing girls was sin. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high school. Cause my best days would be in the past. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, we're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met, my name is Jonathan Crone, and we're joined as always by Mr. Eric Williams, our co-host. Eric, can you go ahead and say hey to the people? Hey, what is up? Episode 6, ready to go. So we are squarely in the back half of season 2. It's been a great season so far. Um, today we are talking about the idea that in the 90s, early 2000s, uh, we had a really bad habit in the church, and especially in youth group, of glorifying testimonies, especially giant conversion stories that were these big Saul to Paul transformations. And uh, it really gave us a bad idea of what, some of what it looked like to become a Christian because we, we made it seem like if you didn't have this, it didn't work. So Eric, do you have any examples from your background of these giant stories that just looking back at it's like, why? Yeah. You know, I can't think of any specifically, but you know, it's just like, it's a common thing where it doesn't matter if it was the camp, it was the youth group, you know, and, and thankfully it wasn't as often at the churches that I attended because we weren't big on testimonies or even letting other people take the mic and share personal stuff. So it didn't happen all that often, but anytime our group would go to another church or to a, you know, local, whatever, thing that was happening revival or you know parking lot party it would just always happen where someone would call out somebody and say oh you know we got to listen to uh you know nate's testimony nate come on up here and it was never like it was never basic it was always like you said over the top or it was always you know that sort of thing the other thing that happened too was you know when i was in um the roles where you're creatively programming services for adults we would always be looking for transformation stories, right? For videos and life changes and testimonies. And there would be times where we'd be sitting around the room. And I mean, you know, no disrespect to the people that were in the room, but it was like, ah, that's just not big enough. You know, ah, I don't know that like one of the churches I worked at, they would say, that's just not the moment we're looking for. It's like, what do you mean the moment we're looking for? Well, what they meant was like, uh, we wanted someone that was just this huge sinner, right? Like, oh, cheated on my wife, had seven mistresses. And then by the grace of God, oh man, we got our marriage back together. And it's like, oh, and everything was, everything was great. And you're like, oh no. And so we had those types of things. But then the other thing that would happen is like, I had a lot of either Christian school kids or homeschool kids in our youth group. And what would happen is they would see these types of testimonies and you could tell it's like their story, which was uh, I was born into a Christian family. Um, I've basically <laughs> known about Christ my entire life. Um, I'm a safe, white, middle-class suburban kid that's always been in privilege. And um, I think by the time I conceptually understood about Jesus, I just knew that was it. And I gave my life to Christ and now I'm 16 and I feel like there's something missing because I didn't 
have this negative experience as if God wants That's you called the Jonathan Caron. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Just, just, just <laughs> like that. But it's like, it's as if God wants you to live a dumpster fire life before meeting him. Like you need some Christian rumspringa before you come to Christ. Well, I mean, me and you both, our, our day jobs are in marketing and we know this. One of the things that we do in marketing is we, we introduce a problem Mm-hmm. We agitate that problem yeah. so that the, we then can give a solution. Right. Because if there's no problem, then why should I follow you? If there are no stakes right. for yep. not following you, why should I follow you? And so in a bad way, we we agitated those problems just like the uh, Stop, Drop, and Roll Don't Work in Hell episode last year mm-hmm. where we focused so much on hell and scaring the fire out of people or uh, all these other things. We took the good news of Jesus, and instead of focusing on that, we felt like we had to to present this dichotomy of, you're going to be this terrible over here if you don't follow Jesus, so you need to follow Jesus. Instead of saying, you know what? Jesus came to bring life and life abundantly, or all the reasons to follow Jesus. We gave people reasons to run away from what they were doing to then follow Jesus. So it was this, we've kind of hit on this idea a couple of times this season. Was it emotional manipulation or was it a real thing? And I think that's what you're seeing a lot in this unlearning deconstruction movement is people are mm-hmm. looking back at their childhood and they're like, wait, you just got me all emotional to make a decision that made you feel good. I don't know if I actually believe what it is that I said I believe then because now with a sober mind, we I look back and I don't I don't see it the same way. So I think we really did a dis, disservice in that by setting up the idea that things were going to be terrible without Jesus, because a lot of people live normal, decent mm-hmm. lives as non-Christians. Yeah. And so now they get into their 20s and their 30s where we are, and it's like, was that like looking back, what was that? Right. And I think back to last season, our friend Wes, he had one of the intro stories and it was about how this kid who was a drug dealer who had turned his life around and he'd started coming to youth group, uh, come to find out he was still dealing drugs. He was just trying to get with a girl who was in youth group. Yeah. So he faked this whole conversion thing and that youth group had platformed him and all this stuff. So we look back and when you're surrounded by that many things and here's, here's, here's the other piece. So many of the big stories turned out to be lies right? or turned out to be embellished. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in seminary or maybe right after I graduated, I went to Liberty for those that don't know, Dr. Ergen Canner was our seminary president and he had this big story of he's an immigrant from an Arab country where he was in a part of a family of Muslims and they disowned him. I'm getting the details wrong at this point, blah, blah, blah. That was part of his story. Part of what got him on the scene in Christian academia in the mid two thousands. I mean, you think post nine 11, like this Muslim guy turned Christian, like it's a great story. And then things started coming out left and right that, Hey, this is embellished. This is embellished. That was a lie. That was a lie. So it made you think like, okay, Dr. Canner lied about those things. Thankfully, I knew enough about him in other ways that I knew I believed what he was teaching. But yeah. there were a lot of people that couldn't listen to him anymore. 
And a man who was a great biblical teacher no longer has the platform he had because he lied about it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that that's something that not, uh, it, it's, it's really just encouraged by the, uh, church machine, I guess I would call it. So take away all of the, the actual spiritual side of it, but the, like the secular side of the church or the industry of church, we end up um, rewarding that, right? Because who do we put on the screen? We put the people on the screen that have the big stories. Um, I've been in the room when you're recording people's stories and the way that we say, you know, for effect, we say, Hey, can you say it this way? Or the, um, the editing that everybody does for stories edits it in such a way that you take out a lot of the context. You take a lot of the nuance out because you want people to hear that I was this, I was so bad at this. Jesus came and now I'm this. And the two other things that I want to talk about is one, it makes it seem like as soon as you are converted, that it's happily ever after life is great. So how many times have you heard a story of someone who cheated on their spouse and then by the grace of God, they got back together and everything was fine, but it's not fine. Like, you know, there's deep hurt and pain associated with infidelity that, that is not fine. And so we're lying to people by saying that like, oh, it's just going to be okay. And then on the other hand, the other piece is like, and, and this is a story from, from, uh, uh, one of our youth group mission trips that we took to new Orleans to help rebuild after, you know, one of the, one of the many hurricanes that they've had down there. So we're down in new Orleans in, you know, the, the poor areas down there. And we're working with these kids that are college kids over the summer that are doing their summer internships. And every night we were assigned one of their kids or the counselors had to come in and give their testimony to our kids and oh my God, I mean, I can't tell you, I, I would have paid extra money just to avoid to hear that because it was like, I mean, really it was like they, and I asked one of the guys, I said, what is this all about? And so, well, we're, we're required to do it. And they were terrible at it because most of them had these plain Christian kid testimonies that they were forced to, uh, or felt like they were forced to embellish. And so it was like, they had a rededication story, you know, oh, I fell away from the faith a little bit, my ninth and 10th grade year when I decided to get into travel baseball. And I realized that that was taking me away from my Sunday responsibilities with the Lord. And you're just like, bro, you sound so lame right now. This is so terrible. And it has, it's not a realistic representation of what, you know, what the Christian life should be. So it's like the Christian machine as the church encourages people to have these either over embellished testimonies or these fake testimonies or to, to be to lie during your testimony. And it's just, it's just disingenuous to the average Christian. I think I mentioned this in the preview episode. I think it was, uh, did you, do you remember? Cause I, I don't remember exactly where you were when you started going to church, but were you in church yet around Columbine? When was Columbine? Did you start going to church at that point? Um, I'm not sure, but I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like starting to get into church, but yeah, uh, I do remember a lot of the Christian martyr complex that came out of Columbine. Well, one of the things that came out of that was there was a story that one of the girls, I don't remember her name, but the story went that one of the Columbine kids, uh, they were shooting people up in the school. And I don't mean to make light of that. So please don't right. take it as that. 
but they, they went up to this girl and they asked her if she believed in God. And she said, yes. And they shot her in the head and killed mm-hmm. her. That was the story going around. Her parents wrote a book called she said, yes. And they ended up going on this big giant speaking tour all across the country. I remember. So it was probably year 2000. I'm sitting in a high school football stadium. The entire home side is filled listening to this story about she said yes and whatever. I don't know how many books they sold that night. I don't know how many people bought into the story. I bought into the story. I was 15, mm-hmm. what was I? 15, 14, 15 at the time. And so I thought this was this great story. At the same time, the Jesus Freaks book was out with the martyrs yep. uh, from DC Talk yep. um, about the missionaries all across the world. And come to find out the she said yes thing never happened. Right. Um, I, I don't know that the parents were purposely disingenuous sure. or if it was just a story that they heard and they believed they wanted to believe that about their daughter. So they wrote the book and went on, but she never actually said yes. That wasn't part of it. So right. they went and did this big speaking tour. And now it looks like they're just Christians profiting off of a fake story to make money for themselves. And it's not about the gospel. I can't right. judge their intentions. I don't know them. Yeah. So I'm not going to go there, but it just gets back to the negative side of emphasizing these stories and drawing them out and making these big mythological mm-hmm. conversions. It may, it just, when they fall apart, there are so many repercussions that yeah. harm the faith maybe as much as they helped the faith faith when they were telling the right. story. And how many times have we seen that? And by the way, her name, I just looked it up is Cassie Bernal or Bern, Bernal. And, you know, I think we both agree to this. Like it's not her fault that this book was written post postmortem Correct. for her. And we don't know what her parents were going through, but it does, it does do this where we start to attach ourselves to things that are extra biblical or non-Christian because it makes us feel better. I mean, I can't tell you how many funerals I've been to and done where people will say, well, she's, she's one of God's angels now. And the theological side of me in the, in my mind is screaming. No, she's not. No, she's not. No, she's not. Because that's <laughs> not biblical. That's not biblical at all. In fact, God loves us and cares about us more than the angels. So you are like completely, you know, lowering the opinion of of your dead loved one, but it's what we do to make us feel better. And so I think the same type of thing is happening in a mourning situation. We will attach ourselves to this big martyr situation or any little slight. Okay. So that's, that's to help us cope with, with like tragic events, but think about your average. And I can only speak from my average middle-class white privileged Christian American role in my everyday average life. When I feel like something isn't going my way, um, man, it's really tempting to make it Christian persecution, right? It's just really tempting to go, Oh, it's because I'm a Christian. They don't want to do this because I'm a Christian. And then that persecution piece becomes like, oh, now I'm a martyr. Like we can hold to that. And we're only fed into that by songs like Jesus Freak, like other, which Jesus Freak, I mean, that slaps. Okay. So I'm not going to deny it. But at the same time, the message, yeah, the message that we're given on this, like you could be. You could be killed for your faith and that's why you need to carry a gun. And that's why you need, you know, all this kind of stuff is like, it's just made up and embellished. And part of it, I think 
comes back to this testimonial thing where it's like you read about these martyrs in the Bible and then you hear stories of martyrs in the mission field. And I want to look at people and I want to be like, hey, listen, Chad, you at the supermarket, (laughs) you're not a martyr right now. Okay, right. Like that's you're different. It's different than what's going on in a third world country. You're not a martyr. Like chill. Okay. I don't know where we're going with that, but. (laughs) <laughs> I got a little soapbox there. Got a little, a little well, I'm sitting here. I'm like, do I go down the soapbox? Cause I have thoughts here. Here's or do what I we do. Bring us back in as the good host. And we just, we just figured it out. Season three, an episode needs to be the Christian martyr complex. Yeah. We, we'll put, we'll put that in the notes because um, I'm actually going to keep this part in. Cause I think it's a, it's a fun part of the conversation. Cause you can see where these things lead. Like these are individual, like the idea of, all of this being connected. Like that's why we reference back to old shows so, so many times. That's why there's so many things that we talk about. That's like, Oh yeah, we talked about that. And it sometimes can feel like we're talking about the same thing because mm-hmm. so much of this stuff is tied to each other. Right. There are well, and, pieces and you're of probably going to that... make people really upset, but like, it's just like that 90 minutes in heaven series or what was it called? 90 minutes oh, in heaven goodness. of the, I mean, think about that. All of those, like, all of those uh, near death experiences or the people that have passed for enough time and then God sent them back. It's these, it's these grandiose testimonies that we, that, that lead to all these bad spots, just like you were saying. And we want to believe them. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't fault people for believing them because we want to believe them. Like we would love to, and I think part of it is we would love to experience that much grace and that much, um, provision or whatever the word is there. Like we would love to experience a touch of heaven and they get to come back and tell people about it. Right. Those are things that we want that are like, I think are good pieces inside of us. So that's what makes us latch onto these stories. And if, if I'm, if I'm being cynical, I would say that there's a piece of us being naive Mm -hmm. and that's why we believe them. Yeah. But if I'm giving, Christians, the benefit of the doubt, it's because no, like I believe Jesus can do that. So yeah. I want just a touch of it myself. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of, um, it's our perspective that's, that's skewed. I think in some cases, cause it reminds me of, uh, uh, I think it was, I think it was Matt Chandler. Every quote I have, I think is from either Matt Chandler or Amy Stanley. So it's one of those two, but I think it's Matt Chandler, uh, where he talks about David and Goliath. He says, when we read the story of David and Goliath, we think we're David, Right. That's the problem. We read the Bible and we think, man, I'm David. It's like, no, you're not David. You're one of the Israelite soldiers that's shaking in their boots right now. But so much, so many times we see these stories and we want to put ourselves in that. You go, I'm Paul. I I have a soul to Paul. And it's like, no, you're not. That's not you. God has a different story for you. And it doesn't have to be in that way that, you know, that's, that's written there. But we want to believe it so bad that we manifest it to be true and it's just not. I read something the other day that said, if you're not reading the New Testament and relating yourself to the Pharisees 95% of the time, you're doing it wrong. Yep. And it gets back to, again, we're going to hit our marketing background. We're the hero of our own story mm-hmm. and we want to make ourselves feel better. So like these things just come natural. So we've spent 18, 19 minutes talking about this idea and I don't want it to sound like we're ragging on people and and just like throwing them the, to the curb because I genuinely understand where they came from. Yep. I've been in those rooms just like you have. Like mm-hmm. I know how 
man, I want people to understand what Jesus can do. So let's give the big example. But if we look back at it and if we, if we take all those bad things, the good intention behind them, and then we say, okay, where do we go from here? Like how, Mm -hmm. how do we process this moving forward so that we're not doing this? I think it gets back to our first episode of this season. Like we have got to be okay finding Jesus in the mundane. Right. Like I've got to be okay with the idea. I grew up the grandson of a pastor. I've been in church since day one. Yes. There were some times that me and Jesus weren't walking very closely to each other. Yes. I've developed or I went through some hard times, but for the most part, my conversion story happened sometime before I even remember. Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember a time without Jesus in my life. So we've got to be okay with that being our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing is you look at the Bible and it, it doesn't give us, it doesn't give us proper perspective because the new Testament, uh, first of all, the old Testament was pre-Christ. Obviously the new Testament is like, is only within the same generation of when Christianity as a thought and idea was being formed. And so we don't get canonical stories of people who were born into the faith. Like that's the whole point is you talk about this other thing. And so like someone like you that grew up in that never had a great role model canonically in the, in the scripture to say, you know, there wasn't Jesus or Paul talking about, Oh, well, let me tell you the story of, little, you know, little Matthew over here who, uh, God kept close to his flock the entire time and just had to realize that God was there all along. Right. And so, but the, the positive approach here is like, we just need to include that nuance for people who are, you know, like your story where it was like, Hey, God doesn't want you to sin. God isn't going, Oh man, shoot. We missed a great opportunity for Jonathan to have a a, a big story here. I wish he would have been a, you know, I wish he would have been a bigger heathen in high school and college. Like he doesn't want that. So like, be glad that you had a, a, a that, that God was close to you and his provision protected you through all of that. Anyway, you didn't have to go. Through yeah. And problems. I think telling stories is the important, is, is the thing we got right. Like, I think right? telling stories and having people relate to that. What we, what we celebrate is mm-hmm. what people will repeat. So I think as part of that, we've just got to do a better job of celebrating the normal mundane, the right. the person who lives a a strong Christian life with their ups and downs and their their bumps and their bruises. We yep. have to celebrate those people just as much as the person who did drugs in high school went a little too far and then found their way back to Jesus because both stories are needed. We yep. can't celebrate one story over the other because at some point, and here's, here's another piece of it. When we start celebrating those gigantic Saul to Paul conversions, the people who experience those conversions, the conversion becomes their identity. Yes, exactly. It's not that they are a follower of Jesus made in God's image who is now a saint of the faith. It's, no, I was a drug dealer. Now I'm this. Mm-hmm. I was yep. a user. I am a drug dealer and just happen to find Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we minimize their story in a way when we let that become part of their identity. So yep. I think it's it's learning that 
all of this is part of a story. It's not the story. Because yeah. when we start doing, I, I'm thinking right now, what keeps coming back to mind is from that Mars Hill podcast about the founder's myth with Driscoll and where Mars Hill started and how that story changed over time to get tighter, to emphasize mm -hmm. Driscoll, to take away everyone else, mm -hmm. to make the overcoming of problems seem bigger. When we do that, we end up losing the beauty of the story. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a more beautiful story to know there were multiple people involved to yeah. know that it took time. It's a more authentic story and a more yeah. honest story to know that. Yeah. Like when I was in college, after I got dumped, I dealt with depression mm -hmm. and it was only through Jesus that I got through that. Um, I wish I would have had therapy. I didn't have it at the time. So, I mean, I can celebrate the Jesus portion of it. But in celebrating that, I've got to be careful because I don't want to minimize the other aspects of it. Right. And so as we move forward, we have to keep telling stories, but we also have to make sure that we emphasize Jesus can work in the small moments just as much as the big ones. Yeah, I think you're right. We have to tell three-dimensional stories. You know, you're not a one-dimensional character. And I think you, you brought up a great example from, you know, kind of the, the Christian side of things through Mars Hill. But I mean, for those of our listeners, uh, you know, think about think about just from a secular example of uh, social media, memes, TikTok, whatever, where you have the person or YouTube, early YouTube was a big one, like the, uh, the Jimmy bit my finger video or uh -huh. the David after dentist or some of these other things where uh, somebody get, goes viral for a 30 second clip of their life that is a blip in the overall experience and now for the rest of their life you're like oh you're the bit my finger kid you're the you're the david after dentist kid you're the you know whatever other kid or these tiktok people or, or instagram any of these influencers that like they have a life and then they have one video go viral for something really stupid and now they have to recreate that thing because now their life is wrapped around the thing that made them go viral so essentially it's exactly the same thing as you're saying is like it cheapens our overall human experience. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that God wants us to have the identity of the person who was this and is now this, right? Like essentially that's antithetical. The cardboard yeah. It's antithetical to who we are as Christ followers. Anyway, it's like that old us is, is gone and the new creation is here. And so can we celebrate that full three dimensional character to our being. And also where do we go from here too? I think not only do we have to celebrate the mundane, but we also have to talk about how Jesus is continually working in our lives and that we're not like a finished product after this Saul to Paul conversion. And just because you'd been walking with, with Christ for 30, whatever years of your life, there's nothing to say that there isn't something on the horizon that could completely wreck you. And you can't just go either way to go like, I'm defined by this big thing or no, nah, I'm, I'm good my whole life. Like, no, we're in it every single day with Christ. And that should give you, that should be the amazing part is God is with you 24, seven, 365, working through every up and down of your life, not just that one moment or that one signature thing that you think is so big. Yeah, it's, we have to, I don't want to get rid of the 
cardboard testimony because I think that's a great way to look at things sometimes. To sure. remember back to what we were is a good thing, mm -hmm. but we also have to emphasize where we are now. We have to emphasize what we're still going through because it's an it, this is a long road, mm -hmm. and we can't have a small piece define us moving forward. So yep. this episode has been a little more nuanced. There's probably a less of a, hey, here's the big takeaway. Go do this type of thing from this episode and more of the idea of, hey, this is just a way we have to change our approach to looking at things. We have to, yeah. we have to be a little more deeper. My hope is that this episode sparked some conversations within you, the listener. Yeah. Um, talk to us, talk to your friends because we can't cover this entire thing in 30 minutes. Yeah. And we don't want to sit here and do Joe Rogan style and just go back and forth <laughs> and go over and over and over. Yeah. But we wanted to introduce the idea and let you jump off and go from there. Yeah. And I think one, one of the signatures that I love about, about this podcast, what we've been able to do too, is like, as we're recording this, um, this week, uh, Steve from blues clues released kind of a viral video coming back. And like, it was very, I mean, I put it this way, like it felt like the millennial Mr. Rogers. Like there were some affirmations that he gave that a lot of us who either grew up in that era. I mean, I was a little older than by that point, but you know, it was kind of like Mr. Rogers when I was growing up, it's like, I think it's okay for people to look you in the eye and say, Hey, what you went through, it, it's, it's all right. It, it's okay. You know? And so I think for us to look at the Christian kid who, um, whether you're in your thirties now or you're in your twenties, you're in your college dorm room right now. And you're like, I don't have a, an amazing testimony. Is there something wrong with my Christian experience? And Jonathan, you could probably speak better than I can, but I'm going to say, no, you're okay. Like it's okay to have known Christ your entire life and to feel like you have a boring testimony. Because to me, the amazing part of that testimony is God uh, kept you from some of the things that other people have to experience. And that needs to be celebrated as well. Now, I thank God that you have that easy testimony, right. that your story is simple. Yep. Because that means you and not protected. that your life was easy, but also not that your life no. was easy. Like, don't minimize the problems that you've gone through and don't minimize the things that God has helped you through. But you also don't have to uh, emphasize those as if they were something big in order to fit in with other people's testimonies. It's like, yes, would you love to have a faithful marriage for 50 years without ever having any shred of infidelity? Uh, yeah. And that's tough to do. And I think that's the same thing here where it's like, yeah, there's ups and downs in your Christian life, but man, be blessed and be comforted by the fact that God has kept you. I, I mean, I can look back and go, how many more so, how many times has God kept me from trouble than, than saving mm -hmm. me from trouble or, you know, converting me from this huge problem. And it's like, I want to praise God for that. And the other thing that I'll, I want to leave with, if you're that person who has the boring testimony, the right. farthest from Saul to Paul you could get. Yeah. I don't want you to feel shame in that. Mm -hmm. um, there, there is a piece of our culture right now where it's easy to feel shame because of your privilege. Yes. And I don't think you should ever feel shame for your privilege. You should just acknowledge it and be thankful for it. So I would suggest if you're that kid, if you, I say kid, because I'm at this time, I'm 35 and still feel like a kid. But if you're that kid with the, the boring mundane story where 
you just lived a normal life and Jesus has been a part of it as long as you can. I don't want you to feel shameful that you never experienced the things other people did. I want you to be thankful that you've been protected from it yes. and let that, what could be shame turn into a thankfulness yes. and a praise of Jesus mm. for allowing you to live the life that you have. And if yeah. that's your life, man, I'm happy for you. I wish that was all of us. I yeah. wish that I everyone, um, what was that? I just say you, you and I are probably in the same boat. I pray every day that my kids would experience that testimony and not a salt of yes. testimony. I, I want my kids to be the person where they don't have the story. Right. And so I think that type of life is one that we have to begin saying is okay. And we have to begin celebrating because really, and maybe it's just the season I'm in right now. Maybe it's getting a little older. Maybe it's a little wiser. But like we mentioned in the first episode this season, the mundane Jesus is pretty great. Yep. And when we can settle into the day-to-day mundaneness of life and see how vibrant a relationship with Jesus can be in that mundaneness, then things get really, really fun. Agreed. That's it for this week. Next week, uh, we're going to get into a topic that we mentioned it before. It's not very sexy, but I think it's uh, an important one. It'll probably be a lot like today where we, we talk about some stuff, we set some things up. But the big idea is that growing up, we had to live in this tension of choosing our friends wisely versus interacting with unchurched kids. And I think that has impacted how we view friendships at work with people in our neighborhood and the holy huddles we see ourselves surrounded by of only hanging out with church people. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, rate us, review us, follow us on social. I am at Jonathan underscore Corona on Instagram. Eric is Eric W712 on Instagram. I got it right again. I'm getting good at that. Mm -hmm. But that's it for this week. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.